You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I know how it's going, but I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, a tough loss in the Meadowlands. The Dolphins fall 40-17 to to the rival up in the AFC East. We'll do the five takeaways and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So a day most of us as Dolphins fans would like to forget as the Dolphins drop one to the Jets 40 to 17 in a game that I don't think anybody saw coming. The war of attrition certainly stacked up on us. Let's go ahead and get to the stats here as we do every single week on the podcast. Miami, look, this game wasn't that lopsided. The Dolphins had 19 first down. Jets had 21. Five of 11 on third downs for the Jets. Miami, four of 11. Both teams failed to convert on fourth down. Miami, 0 for 2. The Jets, 0 for 1. The Jets had 322 yards of offense. Miami, 295. The Dolphins, 158 through the air. 137 on the ground to New York's 187 through the air and 135 on the ground. Miami did run six more plays than the New York Jets, 62 to 56. The turnovers, two for Miami, none for the Jets. Two sacks for Miami, two sacks for the Jets. The Dolphins, 11 penalties for 102. The Jets, 5 for 105. And time on possession was just a minute apart, 29.02 to 30.58. So close game all the way to the fourth quarter, right? You kind of saw it turning point there as the Jets put up three consecutive touchdowns after the Dolphins missed the field goal that would have put them ahead with just over 13 minutes to play in that fourth quarter after a good answer to the Jets after they go up 19 to 7. Dolphins get a touchdown at the end of the half, come out of the break, score a field goal out of the uh, locker room, get in the football first, and give the defense like 45, 50 minutes of real time rest. And then they got the football back a couple of times, and the offense could not capitalize, ending with some mistakes there right towards the end of the third quarter, into the fourth quarter before the missed field goal, where things just kind of went in the other direction. So not the Dolphins' day. Let's go ahead and get the five takeaways from a game that was not the Dolphins' day. And the number one takeaway is that just too many big errors in critical moments. I mean, that was the story of the game, right? We, we know there was multiple other factors. The Dolphins had to have a kind of thin margin for error because of that, and they did not excel in that area. And just, you know... Let's start it here. Xavier Howard tried to get loose, tried to get going today, couldn't get himself ready to play. So he was inactive uh, coming into this game, already down, obviously, Byron Jones on the PUP. So going very deep into your cornerback position there. Teddy Bridgewater gets injured on his first snap of the game and has to exit the game. Uh, The good news is, though, he passed all the concussion protocol or the concussion tests, and he had to exit the game based upon the new concussion rules about the spotter seeing him stumble after the fact. And that's what Coach McDaniel told us after the game. So he has to exit, and Skylar Thompson comes in. You get the grounding call on that play for a safety, which he gets hit as he's trying to throw the football. I kind of thought that was a protection against that rule, but they wind up ruling it two points for the Jets. Teron Armstead then gets injured. So now you're down another big key piece of this team 
and the Jets get the three penalties, uh, two penalties, I should say, from back-to-back face masks that were ne- went from negative 14 yards to positive 30 yards. That's not a good way to start the game. And then they blow a coverage the Dolphins do for a 79-yard play that winds up resulting in a touchdown. So you just start off the game 12 to, z- to zero with a cavalcade of mistakes that continued throughout the course of the day. Tackling wasn't good enough. We'll talk about that. Um, let's see, the false start when you're down there in field goal range uh, late or early in the fourth quarter, I should say, where you're first, second and five, back to second and 10. Then you get a drop pass on the third down play and or the second down play, I should say, that would have been a first down inside the 30-yard line, down by two points with the football driving there in the fourth quarter. That's a killer. You wind up getting five of those yards back to make it a 54-yard field goal. You then miss that, obviously, which, you know, that's when the game turned, like we talked about. So many instances of, you know, players kind of running into each other or getting rubbed by themselves or the Jets' rub routes they ran creating some space in the short areas and the flats uh, to take advantage of some off coverage from the Miami Dolphins, getting the ball out of Wilson's hands quickly, not really giving him many opportunities to put the ball in position for the Dolphins to take it away, which has been such a hallmark of this defense. Just one pick through the first five games this year, and it was the opening series of the season back against the Patriots. You know, that's something we've been grown accustomed to with this Dolphins defense is the takeaways. It's just not there right now. And the Jets staying in kind of third Second short and manageable was was a big part of that, I thought, uh, in this game. And then late, we get the pass protection breakdown where we get some bad ball security as well in the pocket, and it turns into a fumble. And that's kind of when the route went on. Dolphins down 26-17, quick turnover, and all of a sudden, it's a three-score game there late. Or, well, it's a 16-point game, but by all you know, intents and purposes, you had a long way to go there towards the end of that game. So I thought there was a route to victory with the way the run game was cranking, some timely throws here and there, some big plays from the receivers and drawing some flags, defense making a handful of critical stops. But, you know, I listed how many was that, 12 mistakes that we talked about or 10 or 12 mistakes. It's just the margin for error in this game is way too thin to do that, especially when you're down a handful of really good players uh, in terms of injuries. So next man up mentality, got to have that, got to play better, and you expect to get a better production, better performance, even when you are shorthanded. And takeaway number two is that you just can't do that when you're down those guys. I mean, we know Tua's not out there for this game. Teddy gets knocked out of the game on the first play of the game, which, you know, obviously is a tough situation. I, I think... What Skylar Thompson's able to do as a, a player, and you know, he loses the status once he enters the league and makes the roster, right? But he still is a rookie, seventh round draft choice who came in there and I thought showed himself to really kind of show you what he's about in terms of the, some of the physical skill sets. He had the really nice third down conversion play where he scrambles and is going to the ground and completes it to Jalen Waddle. But I mean, you're going to expect some bumps and bruises, some hiccups, and some some growing some areas for for growth and opportunities for learning with a young quarterback like that for the Dolphins to stay competitive through you know three quarters and change with that situation going to the quarterback three I mean in the past you know we've seen the preseason games these teams have played for years and years right like the, the third string quarterback typically is a guy that is either practice squad or trying to kind of float and find a spot and then you know, you play them in the fourth quarter of the preseason games, and then you don't really hear from them for, for years or even ever again because the talent disparity at that position, how difficult that position is to play, to have three guys in your roster is certainly a great thing. But still, at the end of the day, like down two quarterbacks is a tough thing to overcome. So no Tua, no Teddy, all but for one snap. 
Xavier Howard doesn't play in the game. Teron Armstead exits very early in the game. Tyreek Hill leaves the game late. We obviously know about Byron Jones, a key piece on PUP. Austin Jackson was out, so you're down both your opening day tackles very early on in this game. Again, it gave you a razor-thin margin for error, and we just saw the levy break in the fourth quarter, and you can't play that way when you have you know five, six key pieces of your team uh, not available to you. Takeaway number three, Tackling and penalties. You know, the Dolphins entered this game with the sixth most missed tackles, according to pro football reference in the league. And, you know, you're kind of thinking like that's something we can clean up and we'll start to finish some of these plays that were so close on defensively, but it just wasn't the deal. It went the opposite direction. You know, we saw some space on the outside, talked about the rub routes, saw a couple of times players getting lost in coverage, like the 79 yard touchdown or not touchdown catch, but 79 yard reception uh, to down to the one yard line to Brees Hall, which is essentially a seven point mistake, him getting behind the defense there and nobody running with him. We don't know who that is, but either way, you just can't have that happen. We won't have the updated numbers until tomorrow for you guys, but we know it's not going to be pretty both in the missed tackles department and yards after contact category, especially with the way this game is going right now. We'll get to that in our fourth takeaway is you just have to be sharper in the tackling area if you want to compete with the way kind of the game is shifting more towards ball control and you know being able to sustain drives against defenses that take away deep shots. And then obviously the penalties. I mean, with all these things going against you today, the last thing you can do is beat yourself. And it started off early in this football game, a six-yard loss on a tackle for loss and an eight-yard sack. Both of those negated with face mask penalties. It's a 30-yard turnaround on top of the 14 yards, a 44-yard turnaround. So that is worth points. The 79-yard bust is obviously worth points. A drop pass going into the red zone potentially right before a missed field goal is three points. So you're leaving points on the board really in every single quarter of this game. You're just not going to win games in this league doing that. So tackling and penalties and mistakes and being down players, part of those three takeaways. We'll go ahead and take our first break here on a quick version of the Drive Time podcast, kind of putting these notes together for you guys, trying to get the show out quickly for you so we can digest it, move on, and get on to the next thing. But those are your three takeaways here off the top. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back on the other side and get the takeaways number four and five. That's next. Drive Time podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Week 5 recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by AutoNation. Three takeaways are in the books. Tackling and penalties. You can't win a game with the mistakes you make when you're down X amount of players. And the first takeaway, big errors in critical moments. The fourth takeaway is that we have to get back to complimentary football. 
you know, we praised the way this defense played through the first really three and a half games. And, you know, again, injuries factored into the second half of the game last week, too. But the way they stayed in games and rallied and kept coming against a bunch of good quarterbacks and good offenses and some of the most high-powered attacks this league has to offer, that's how you have to play it in today's NFL. And, you know, the way coach manages games or end-of-half situations, I should say, has really been a stroke of genius for two reasons. Number one, he's not giving the other team a chance at the football. Like, we are calling last possession when you get the football with, you know, two minutes, three minutes, even four minutes left, he is basically saying this is the last possession of the half. Whether we score or not or field goal or touchdown, they're not getting the football. It gives us an advantage that way. And then number two, he's not just not giving them the ball. He's scoring touchdowns with it. And the way they manage those games to basically put the Dolphins, when they s- succeed in these situations, into, you know, balls at the 20-yard line with 30 seconds left. Like, we can hit a couple pass plays and potentially score. And by the time we do it, there's, what, four seconds left in this game? They've done it the last couple of weeks as well. And the reason you want to manage it that way is because football players, and especially like quarterbacks, and you go back to the Chiefs and Bills in the playoffs last year, Mahomes and Josh Allen, in scoring in 13 seconds to end somebody's season – Football players and quarterbacks in particular are just more talented now than they've ever been, and the league is more geared towards offense than it's ever been. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. There's another emphasis this offseason about illegal contact, right? So obviously points are you know, a, a premium for this league to, to get points in all their games. So defenses, in reaction to that, and we've seen what's, what's funny about the whole thing is offense <laughs> is really through the first four weeks, we'll, we'll see how it is you know, tomorrow after week five is all wrapped up. The, through the first four weeks, offense, like points per game, yards per game, is all really scaled back for the lowest figure it's had in quite some time. And these defenses playing these two high shells and forcing opposing offenses to patiently drive the field and take what the defense gives you and don't always have the luxury of these deep shots that you want to get, you know, your splash plays, your quick t- your quick change plays, your game-changing plays, and suddenly not making mistakes has become an even bigger part of the equation. And, you know, going back to the first three takeaways, Dolphins just weren't up to, you know, they weren't up to it in this game. So I was interested in that, especially after Coach had this to say in response to a question he was asked after the game about targets for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and the style of the game the Jets wanted to play on defense. Here's Coach talking about how the Jets came out in this game. And a, a big part of this and a big factor of our fifth takeaway, the running game, is because of this. Here's Coach. You know, we kind of, they, they kind of knew uh, that, you know, in, in the long-term um, scheme of things, that we we're until we start um, being a little more productive in the in the run game, um, there is going to be some uh, some disadvantage in the pass game. So they they went into this game kind of knowing that their their targets um, might be minimized early. Um, but they you know to their credit and the type of players they are, they want to be on a um, winning football team, and you know that you have to. Um, offensively, you have to be able to run and pass, not just pass. So, um, obviously, that's you know they're a huge component of um, our our offense. Um, but to say uh, that that their touches were equating to um, our offensive productivity, I don't think is uh, necessarily correct. The the you, you try to take stuff that the defense is giving you. And they were, um, it was obvious from very early in the game 
that they were going to play the the pass until we proved otherwise. So I don't think I can't remember a first or second down um, single safety defense until the second half, um, and uh, and then uh, there was a little we we had to pull uh, uh, Tyreek um, at the end. He got stepped on pretty hard, so um, that kind of hurt his cause in the second half as well. I thought that was really cool to hear Coach talk about that and just kind of give us a peek behind the curtain as far as what the he saw from the Jets' defense and no first or second down single high safety looks until the second half there and how that allows you to get more traction in the running game and how he said basically, you know, almost in a way confirming this point about the complementary nature of this team, what they have to do to get back to their winning ways and being more complementary to earn some of those downfield shots in the passing game, get the running game going, and all of a sudden you get that balance and then you're very tough to defend because, you know, if you can run the ball like you did today, get the deep passing game go like there is though both those things work together. All of that works together for the offense and then the offense works together with the defense and the special teams as well. And so that's all to say that you can help the defense out by just playing better offense. We talked about it in the rough start last year, right? The defense stacks up a few stops in a row, but we can't go score on the other end. And eventually the opposing offense does begin to find points. It would go a very long way for the defense if the offense got back to its efficient ways that we saw in the first three games of the season, where on third downs in those first three games, 50% at 14 of 28, and they were 66% with four of six fourth down conversions and averaged 27.6 per game. The last two games on third down, 28% at 6 of 21, that's almost half the production, and 0 for 2 on fourth down, and 16 points per game, so 11 points less, 11.6 points less per game with the lack of efficiency, and what does that do to the defense? Well, the first three games, they allowed 20.6 points per game, and the last two games, 33.6 points per game, so you have to get back to complementary football, and that also includes the special teams, because Again, 43-yard kickoff return today. We had a 35-yard punt at one point. We did have that great punt that pinned them at the 7-yard line to back them up and got that stop on defense, and Brandon Jones had that big sack on Zach Wilson for a 17-yard loss. So that's how it all kind of works together, right? But you also miss a field goal again. So special teams, offense, defense, everybody can do their part to get back to complimentary football. It's going to be a big key for this team going forward. And our fifth takeaway, we talked about it. The running game does get rolling, and then the kind of B product of that is the Tyreek Hill. He for sure is him, right? And I talk about Tyreek Hill that way because of the 34 and 27-yard pass interferences that he drew in addition to the production he had as a receiver, which today was 7 for 47. So really, he comes close to 100 yards when you factor in those. I mean, you're not going to put it on his stats, but in terms of the offense moving the ball through Tyreek Hill, he's responsible for largely you know, nearly 100 yards with those two plays. Waddle also got downfield for a 34-yard DPI called on him. So those guys are able to make plays even when they're not, you know, lighting up a scoreboard that way. And that helps with the running game, right? We saw them get deep. And what does Raheem Mostert do but go for his first 100-yard game as a Miami Dolphin and score his first rushing touchdown as a Miami Dolphin? The touchdown that he ran in was absolutely beautiful. Great, great blocks by Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft. We saw Tyreek Hill, excuse me, and Jalen Waddle both had really good blocks in this game as well. Like the entire receivers room, as you heard coach talk about there, their understanding of a team game, the nature of a team game and not being worried about your targets or catches or yards. That's a big, a big piece of evidence for that. in the way those guys blocked Mostert had another 14 yard run where he broke two tackles. Like 
These are the kind of running game productions that if you can get that, your offense can really start to click and hit on all cylinders. 23-yard run on the opening drive of that second half, and he had 100 yards with about two minutes to play into that second half. Uh, 6.3 yards per carry, 18 for 113. The touchdown run, the 24-yarder was the long one uh, on the game. And Miles Gaskin had a, a six-yard run on the second and seven. He goes four for nine, a couple negative plays there as well. But there was just there was well-executed runs throughout the course of the game, especially going through Raheem Mostert, who just showed you what he can do. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach McDaniel about what kind of player Raheem Mostert is to finish up our fifth takeaway. It's a pretty simple formula. Um, you know, you can't have an expectation, especially when you've been um, – uh, as a coach, you know, you see a, a front, you see a coverage, and you know the play. Um, so you know the, the pieces of it that um, are tough uh, in terms of blocking. And um, so you know kind of how much you can the, the runner is going to get until there's contact. What, what's been cool seeing um, Raheem the last couple weeks is his yards after contact, the, the ones that aren't really um, – I don't know what you'd call it, sexy. It's more like those lean yardage where you turn a four-yard gain into a seven. Now it's second and three as opposed to um, uh, second and six. Huge difference. Those are the, those are the things that I think um, have really stood out um, where he's got – where he is at with his game. Um, I know that his teammates feel it, and um, he, he's earned each and every opportunity he gets. It's a great point by coach talking about going from second and seven to second and three or you know whatever the, the differential might be there from that forward lane because we talked about it in the postgame show too that conversely for the Dolphins defense, the same was also true because you so often have this Dolphins defense flying through and you know making a potential play and then the back slips out of a tackle or the receiver makes a tack, uh, broken tackle on a screen pass or the quarterback gets out of the rush and you all of a sudden go from you know second and 12 to second and eight the percentages change for every single yard you have to go. It's, it's like in baseball when, you know, the, the pitcher starts off the count 1-0 and o versus 0-1, and, and the batting average and OPS and all that stuff is reflective upon the count. Same deal here. So it's the, the devil's in the details, right? And I think Coach talking about that and how important that is and getting that uncovered here from Raheem can be a really good way for the offense to get back to more complimentary football. And then by nature of that, the entire team playing more complimentary football as well. Let's go ahead and take our last break and come back and do the play before the play, give you some additional notes, tell you about some teaching tape, and we'll go ahead and get out of here. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
It is the recap podcast for week number five. The Dolphins fall 40 to 17 against the New York Jets. Let's go ahead and do the play before the play, which came. I had a few options here, but I think it has to be the play before the fourth down stop because the Jets are driving with a chance to go up by multiple scores in the third quarter and the Dolphins get a fourth down stop on an incomplete pass for Garrett Wilson up against Nick Needham. But the play right before that was a third and two. So the, the Jets go from their own 43-yard line, gain three yards on first down. They get five yards on second down to put the ball at the 45-yard line of the Miami Dolphins. And then it's a third and two play for Brees Hall. And Christian Wilkins stacks that thing up and makes a stop for a one-yard gain, which puts the Jets at a long fourth and two. And they wind up missing. It's actually Corey Davis. It wasn't Garrett Wilson uh, on that pass attempt to the side there. So there was a few of those. And that was a big one that Christian seems to make on a weekly basis, stacking guys up, coming off blocks. He also had a a play before the Brandon Jones 17-yard sack to stack a play up where he was kind of the only guy there to make a play. So I guess Christian Wilkins is kind of the guy right now. I also had Raheem Mostert on the catch and run before the Smythe quarterback sneak or tight end sneak touchdown run where he catches that ball and finds the pylon. Just stepped out before that. But I think the third and two stuff by Christian Wilkins is our play before the play, although that is you know by nature of that segment kind of a winning type of segment, but we do it every week here. The teaching tape was Brandon Jones on the uh, Zach Wilson sack because not only did he stay on his feet on a pump fake with a quarterback and an athletic one at that, bootlegged out to the naked side of the field, and then the change of direction to put your foot in the ground and get back upfield and then finish the tackle and secure him. I mean, he gets out of your grasp there. It goes from a potential 17-yard loss to maybe a gain or, you know, best case scenario for the Dolphins is a a no gain, an incomplete pass, but he makes sure it finishes that play. And it happened last year in the game against the Jets too, down here in South Florida, down here in Miami Gardens, where Wilson had just extended a drive with a third down scramble where he shaked off a, shook off a sack attempt. And then Brandon Jones comes up and makes a big play, a negative play to essentially get the Dolphins defense ahead of the chains and, and winds up getting off the field there. So he's teaching tape with his staying on his feet, pursuing the quarterback and the change of direction skills uh, quite often for Brandon Jones, who I thought had a really good game today uh, for the Miami Dolphins. And then I wanted to make a a mention here of the way the Dolphins kind of manufactured a touchdown on that first touchdown drive, the third and one deep shot to Tyreek Hill that draws the 34-yard DPI. Just love that. You know, I was was calling for, you know, quarterback on the move action there. They decided to just go for it all and take a, a shot up top. They get the DPI flag because you're, you know, put the ball and the opportunity of your best playmakers. Tyreek Hill certainly qualifies for that. thought that was an awesome call. The end around to Tyreek to get yards where he puts his foot in the ground, splits a pair of defenders. Man, he is, he is special with the ball in his hands. We saw it on that play. Then you get the 12-yard touchdown run, the jet sweep handoff, working off similar motion and lots of end around stuff they were doing throughout the course of the game. Just a well-manufactured touchdown drive there that I thought was worth putting in the notes here. It was going to be a part of a takeaway at one point until the game went the way it did in the fourth quarter. So some positives, uh, competitive through the first three quarters of the game, you know, awfully banged up, awfully against the odds down to your third quarterback. And he, I thought, competed his butt off as well. So some good, lots of bad, lots to work on. Uh, We have a game next Sunday. That's always the beautiful part of this league, of this game, is there's always a game next week until there's not, obviously. But the Dolphins have plenty to work on and get corrected as they fall to 3-2 and with their second straight loss after the 3-0 and start. I know nobody wants to be in this situation. We all kind of thought 4-1 and with 3-0 and in the division, 4-1 and in conference was a great way to start. But it's a long year. It's a long season. 
you lose games you expect to win. You know, I, I think most of us thought the Dolphins had a chance to win this game. Uh, every year it happens, so don't get too down. It's one game. Uh, we'll be back next week and, and hopefully get back in the win column against the Minnesota Vikings. So all 22 review podcasts will be on Tuesday, then we'll turn the page to the Vikings on Wednesday and look ahead to that squad. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast, our Spaces show, the international podcast across the network, our post-game show on 560. Tons of content daily for you guys. Check out the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today and media availabilities. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy's coming home.